Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. One of the definitions of launch is to start or set in motion. And every creative person has to do it. So what are the secrets to a successful launch? With eight to 10 hours a day, I was like literally emailing people one by one. I don't really check my numbers. You know, I don't really listen to the podcast. I'm able to do it again, but as a normal person. Welcome to Anna David's Launchpad. Anna here. Welcome to Launchpad, uh, the show where I talk to every creative person I know and don't know about launches. This season, we are focused on books, and I am so excited about this one. I'm excited about all of them. But this is an interesting one. It is with Lori Gottlieb. And not only is it interesting because she's a very interesting person, but I have known her not well for many years. And we've had these sort of, we we talk about it in the episode, but we sort of, you know, met, then saw each other next when we were both on the CBS morning show, me in New York, her in LA. So that's not really quite like seeing each other. And then I read her new book. And I absolutely lost my mind over it. Um, It's probably the best, most compelling book I've read in years. If you have not heard of it, it's called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And I I couldn't put it down. I was reading it and I was listening to it through WhisperSync. This is not an ad for Amazon. But anyway, it's just incredible. And she's so busy now. She's, you know, the keynote speaker at South by Southwest. She's got so much going on. And so I reached out thinking she would be too busy. And she wrote right back and said she would love to do this. So it is a true honor. And by the way, so she's New York Times bestselling author of this book. Maybe you should talk to somebody. Talk talk to someone. She is also a columnist for The Atlantic. She has the Dear Therapist advice column, and that is because she is also a full-time practicing therapist. Uh, Her other book, which we talk about, and it's very fascinating, but she has several other books, but Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough. Uh, That is, in this episode, we talk about a sort of dreamy launch, which is what she had with Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and a less dreamy launch that she had with Marry Him. So her top three tips are have a good relationship with your publisher. Now, if you are self-publishing, this is obviously not relevant. Uh, Be resilient. Accept rejection. This is a woman whose book has been on the bestseller list for months and months and months, and she got rejected over and over again when it came to getting media and press. And aim for long-form interviews rather than these quick hits. You know, if you're someone who, oh, I can't get on Good Morning America, that, that that's, you know, that's not great. Look, sorry, most of us can't get on Good Morning America. God knows I couldn't. But, um, but you know, having a quick hit is good, but having a long-form interview where people can actually get to know you is better. 
So that is my intro about Lori. Uh, if you like this podcast, particularly this new incarnation, God, it would mean a lot if you wrote a review telling me that. I read all of them. They make my day or ruin my day if they're mean. That's very uncommon. Now, if you would like the show notes, which includes uh, the full transcript of this interview, as well as best quotes, as well as other goodies, go to launchpadpub.com slash blog slash Lori. And with that, I give you Lori Gottlieb. I literally cannot think about your book without starting to cry. I, I am just, I am just about to fawn in like a way that may make us both uncomfortable. It is just one of the most incredible books I have ever read. I am, even though we've known each other forever, I'm like in a new state of intimidation. It's just beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, Lori, like I know that, you know, you've written several amazing books, but this is just like, your gift to the world is what it feels like. Um, so I, I will stop fawning in a second, but I will say hi to people listening. Um, Lori, I know how busy you are right now, so I am honored that you would talk to me. Um, and, and I was reflecting on, do you remember when we met? I think we met at a magazine party. Is that right? Ish. I think what it was is um, Media Bistro. Oh, Taffy, the now prolific writer Taffy, was corralling all teachers, all local writers to be teachers. And it was a very impressive group. And we all had dinner. Oh, that's right. We did. That was the first time I met you. And you did that book with Jesse Jacobs. Yes. Who I then dated. So it's all very... Oh, I did not know that part. Yes. And now I'm watching the show You. Have you seen it? No. Everybody's talking about it, though. And the, the lead character looks exactly like him, and he's, he's psychotic, so it's very disturbing. But anyway, so, so, this, is, so this show it talks about launches. And what's really fun for me is that I'm getting people at all stages. Now, when you launch a book, it is a very different experience than when um, a newer writer does because you have full support. From your publisher. So this is what I am dying to know about and listeners are dying to know about. It's like, what is that experience like? Um, so, but let's, let's chase your history a little bit. Um, the, oh, sorry. One more memory. Do you remember when we went on CBS morning show together? Yes, <laughs> I do. That's right. Which was so funny because it's like, I was brought there to be like the antag antagonist a little bit to be like, no, Laurie, you shouldn't settle for Mr. Good Enough. Um, Which I agree with, by the way. <laughs> you know, that was the, the problem with that book was that, um, you know, the book is about what makes for happy, lasting marriages. And it's a, it's a really good relationship book that people find so helpful. And the publisher wanted to put the word settling in it, which has nothing to do with settling. In fact, it's about having higher standards about the things that matter and really making okay. sure that those standards are met. And um, it was really hard to go on TV and do those things. So it was, it was very strange um, being on that show with you because I agreed with you. <laughs> and um, 
you know, but it was, it was really, it's really hard to explain in the three minutes that you have on these right. morning shows, um, something that's much more nuanced than a soundbite can capture. That is so interesting. I mean, be, was any part of you, I mean, it created such a controversy. So in a sense, your publisher was, quote, right, even if it was misrepresenting. They got what they wanted, right? Well, I don't think they were right. I mean, I think that the book would have, it would have served the book and people better if they knew what the book was. I think it's really disingenuous to say to readers, hey, this is a book about apples, and then you open it, and it's about oranges. I, I think that cheats the reader. And um, we were trying to pull the book actually because of the title, because I did not want to go out with that title. It did not represent anything I believe in the title, the book, I wholeheartedly believe it. Um, and so, um, you know, and they kept saying to us that they would, they would um, adjust the title and that we would get a title that we were happy with. And that went on for such a long time that by the time they told us they weren't going to change it, um, which was like whiplash, um, it was, it was time to launch the book. And, and so we said we were going to pull the book and then we thought, well, how are we going to do this now? And how are we going to get another publisher at this 11th hour? And I really felt so strongly in the book that I didn't want to see it not get out there. So I had this sort of horrible choice to make, which was get the book out there with a title that doesn't represent it or maybe not publish the book. And that's why with maybe you should talk to someone with the new book. Um, it was so important to me. One of the stipulations I had when we were choosing publishers was I have to be able to have final say on the title. I will not get into a contractual arrangement with any publisher in which I don't have final say over the title because of the fiasco that happened with this other book that I love so much that, that people love so much if they actually read it. Um, so with maybe you should talk to someone, I think we have the perfect title and um, it really reflects what that book is about. Which is what's fascinating about that, too, is that a lot of maybe you should talk to somebody talks about how you were almost going to do this happiness book and how you struggled with it. And so you already had experience with going against your instincts and what that felt like with a book. Well, that's right. So when you ask about launching this book about maybe you should talk to someone, you have to realize that first I had written this piece. Atlantic. It was a cover story called How to Land Your Kid in Therapy. And the subtitle was Why Our Obsession with Our Kids' Happiness Might Be Dooming Them to Unhappy Adulthoods. And that spread like wildfire. And publishers wanted that book um, for, and I can say this only because I turned it down, for an obscene amount of money. Right. And the, literally the only reason I can say that is because, <laughs> is because everybody said, you are an idiot for turning that down. You've already written the article. Um, it, you, you've done all the research, you've reported it, you know, to, to a large extent. Um, you have all this extra material that didn't end up in the articles. You have all this material. It's such an easy book. Why wouldn't you just take the money and run? And I was a new therapist at the time. And I felt like I am really searching to do something that is meaningful to me and that will be meaningful to readers. And I can't do anything that feels like I'm just eking out a book for commercial reasons. I just, I can't live with myself and do something like that. Even though as a single parent, you know, with a child, um, it, it would have made a huge difference in our lives. Um, but I said, no. And I said, I'm really interested in what's happening with the adults. And they said, you know, and I said, maybe it's about why our obsession with our own unhappiness is dooming us to unhappy adulthoods. But it's, it's really about what I'm seeing with people in the therapy room and they said, oh, you want to write a happiness book? And I was like, well, no, but 
you know, <laughs> but, but I'll write what I want to write and then we'll figure it out later. Um, I hadn't quite learned the lesson from Mary Hem at that point about how mm-hmm. to say no in a, in a much more direct way. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was, I was supposed to be writing this book, by the way, for not an obscene amount of money. And, um, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't get myself to write it. And it was when I canceled that book and, and decided I want to just bring people into the therapy room to get them to see, you know, I have this privilege of going in and seeing real life every day. And it's beautiful and miraculous and heroic and sad and funny and all the things that I think I capture in the book. And that's what I wanted to bring to people because I feel like in following these four patients, and then there's a fifth patient and the fifth patient is me as I go through my own therapy and following these five people, I think we can all see ourselves in them and learn something about ourselves and see the world and other people um, in new ways. And so um, I wrote the book that I really wanted to write. Right. And then it was, it it is a massive success. So. Well, what's funny about that is nobody thought that, right? So, so Hmm. people said, oh, nobody's going to read this book. Um, I did not get a huge advance for this book. Um, You know, it it was, as my publisher says, they got the deal of a lifetime. Right. And. Um, because, you know, we all thought like, oh, it's, it'll be a good book, but, but it's not one of those things where you can say, oh, look, it's, it's a, it's a helicopter parenting book. Everybody wants that. It's, it's a very quiet book. Mm -hmm. And yet it's now nine months on the New York Times bestseller list. And I just went up this week. I now number four, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's being made into a television series. Um, it's, it's doing phenomenally well. And I think what's so interesting about that is I really thought like three people would read this. And if I, if I thought that so many people would be reading it, um, I probably would have cleaned myself up a little bit, (laughs) you know, like, like I'm really, really vulnerable in this book Mm -hmm. and I'm, it's very revealing, not in a creepy way, just in a real human way. And I'm really glad that I didn't know how many people would read it because if I had known, I might have tried to edit myself a little bit. And I think that the reason that so many people are reading it is because I didn't clean myself up. It's Absolutely. It's so yeah. authentic. It's so honest. Well, and so, you know what this, the success of it makes me proud to know you, but it makes me proud of the world because I would not think people would be interested in this topic either. Um, well, I think, you know, you know, it's funny when you say this topic, I think that the topic is the human condition. And I think that everybody is interested in the human condition. So I think that when publishers were looking at this, they were saying, oh, therapy, how many people go to therapy? Is it really? And the title, maybe you should talk to someone doesn't mean maybe you should go to a therapist. It means we all need to be talking to ourselves and other people more. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that, that it's hard. How do you market a book? that's about the human condition. I think what happened was word of mouth is what sold this book. I mean, I'll say, I'll say what sold this book initially was Terry Gross. So I, I should say that, that the, right. the one thing we landed really early on was, was fresh air. And having that long form conversation where you can like, you know, you have the luxury of 30, 40 minutes um, versus those three minute sound bites on, on the other shows. Um, that's what really got the book its initial attention but then once people started reading it, everybody is telling everybody else, you have to read this book. And that's why the book is doing so well. Yes. But, but also when I say I'm proud of, 
of the people out there who are, you know, keeping it on the New York Times bestseller list. I do find that people are very interested in the human condition, but I find in general that people are very interested in a very shallow version of that. It's such a sophisticated, layered look at it. That's what makes me proud of people because I, in, in the world, the majority of people don't seem to be interested in that. Well, I think that it's something that people are craving. So on our, you know, on a daily basis, we're seeing the kind of top level, superficial, you know, um, the curated version on social media of people's lives. But I think that people feel very alone because they feel like, well, what about all these other experiences um, that we're all going through, but nobody's really talking about? And so I think people are craving that connection. They're craving hearing about other people who are like them, maybe on the surface don't look like them because I, I really very carefully and very intentionally chose four very different patients to follow. And they seem very different, but at their core, they're all very similar to each other. And I think to me and to the reader. And so it feels really good for people to read about this and say, I see myself in this, or I see my friend, my partner, my mother, my father, my child in these people. Yeah, I really saw myself in two of them, and then I just saw my mother in, in another. But um, okay, so so let's talk about launch. Such an interesting perspective because you had this, um, you know, pretty terrible experience with the previous launch. It sounds like. Yeah, I did. It, and yet you got all the things right. They pitched you to TV shows. It got reviewed in the times. So I think that's a very interesting perspective of here you are going on the ride that all writers dream of. And it's not what people might think. Right. It was a really difficult experience because on the one hand, I really wanted people to read the book. Uh, we're talking about marry him now. I really wanted people right. to read the book. And um, at the same time, I felt like most of the press that I was getting were people saying, I hate Lori Gottlieb. I hmm. hate this book. And they've never read it. They literally say, I will right. never read this book and I hate it. And it's like, that's like saying like, I hate that movie that I never saw because I didn't like the movie poster. Right. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't like the ad. And so I'm never going to see that movie and I hate it. And I hate the director and I hate the writer and I hate everybody associated with it. And then when people read the book, they had such a different reaction to it. I mean, the I still get mail every week from people who say, Mary Ham saved my life. Mm -hmm. and, and this is years later. They're like, they're like 10 years ago, I met the person that I ended up marrying and I am so happy. Mm -hmm. And so the launch for this, I think people might be surprised at probably how far back it started. What, you know, uh, were you talking to PR department six months before it came out, three months before it came out? What Walk us through that process. So for maybe you should talk to someone, again, this was this little book that when the publisher sent it out to the sales team, people went crazy over this book. Um, we were all sort of shocked, <laughs> um, you know, I, not because we didn't think it was a good book, but just because it's, again, it's a, it's a quieter book. Um, it doesn't have that hook. It's not provocative. And so, um, and so everybody just started talking about it and everybody was telling everybody else, can we get more galleys? We want to read this. I need to give this to someone. It was this just people really found themselves in this book. And so we realized, okay, 
So the publisher sent me to ABA, which is the American Booksellers Association, and it's this um, event pre-pub where the booksellers get to meet you. And the booksellers are your best friends, right? The booksellers are the mm-hmm. people who are hand-selling this book when people come into the bookstores. And we talk a lot about Amazon, which is great. But a lot of people still are walking into a bookstore and they want recommendations and they want to hear what another human being thinks about a book. And so um, the booksellers were so enthusiastic and they were telling everybody about it. And again, this is such a word of mouth thing. Um, Amazon too was really excited about it. Amazon had me on their podcast, you know, when the book launched, um, it was one of the Amazon best books of the month. It was like a people magazine book of the week. This was all public, right? So Mm -hmm. in advance, it was getting such a positive reaction and everybody wanted to cover it. The problem was we didn't get it. We didn't get coverage early enough. Like we didn't get people to write back to us. So the publicist was going out to all the women's magazines, which have the long lead times. Nobody, that was it. Thank you, real simple. Um, but, um, but nobody else did. Mm. We didn't get any coverage in any women's magazines. We didn't have like a national TV show. We didn't have anything long lead. The only thing we had was fresh air, which was mm-hmm. no small thing. Right. Um, and it was great because I got to have that, that longer conversation, which I think was really important in telling people what this book was about. And so, so you're getting sort of d- two different messages. You're getting all this enthusiasm from the booksellers and then, you know, not as much from the media. And, and really was it, was it, it was fresh air that kind of started the snowball, but not actually not because people magazine had it. And all of those things were book of the, the, the book of the week of release. Right. Um, so we knew we were getting reviewed, um, in the New York times. Um, and we, and we knew that, uh, people magazine chose it as a book of the week and we had fresh air and we had a lot of podcasts And then we had a lot of other things that sort of started coming that weren't so long lead, you know, like I got to do like the Goop podcast and and later Mm -hmm. I got to do Dak Shepard, which was another big thing. Um, Because again, these long conversations are, are what help people to see what the book is about. Those, those quick, like three minute things, it's really hard to talk about this book in, in any reasonable way. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I did later go on Good Morning America and we got to have sort of a longer for them, you know conversation <laughs> five minutes um, right well you know for, I mean but you you can do more you can yeah do, um it was it was a uh, it was like sort of like two people and me talking about it and I think you can do more with that um so you know I like those shows I mean I think they're important and I think that they help people to um you know they just raise awareness that this book is out there and it might pique someone's interest to go find out more about it so I love those shows but I think that what people were really listening, they really listened to these long conversations. It's not just they heard about it on Dax or they heard about it on Terry Gross, but it's like they actually listened to the whole shows. Right, right. Um, well, when I read it, I didn't stop talking about it. It actually got me back into therapy. You made me miss my therapist. And my first question when I got back in, it was just last week, um, I was just like, have you read this book? what? You haven't read it? And she's like, well, no, I've heard about it. Um, it's kind of great. Well, so but, many people are actually talking about it with their therapist. So, so many oh, people yeah. say what you said, like it got them back into therapy or maybe they were in therapy or, um, I even had this weird situation where a therapist, I got an email from a guy who said, my therapist said I should ask you out. 
like the therapist read the book and decided that I would be a good partner for her patient. That's pretty, that's pretty confident. That, that therapist had a lot of confidence in that male patient. Like, I love this book. You should date her. Right. Um, who knew? Um, yeah, I, I will, I will say what, what really compelled me and anyone listening who has not read this book, first of all, what's wrong with you? But second of all, you know, it starts with this breakup that you're blindsided by and anybody who's had that experience, which, you know, that was my experience drove me into the most intense, wonderful therapy of my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just so interesting as somebody who's been in therapy since I, you know, since I was 16, there's just so, you are so good. I mean, you're just to be a therapist and to be, have this skill with language and with writing to be able to articulate it from the other side. Oh my God. I mean, just fly on the wall stuff that just was, is amazing. Well, what, um, I, what I really felt was important was was showing both sides of it. So you can see me as the therapist and I wanted to create transparency. I wanted to demystify all of these ideas that, you know, people are wondering, well, am I boring my therapist? What does my therapist <laughs> think when I say this? Does my therapist like me? You know, I really wanted people to, um, to kind of open up that relationship in that way so that people can do the work that they need to do and not have all these other things getting in the way. And I think that, and also being able to talk about those things with your therapist, because those are part of the work, all those questions that you have. And then I also wanted to show the experience of a therapist going to therapy, because I think that, as I say at the beginning of the book, that my greatest credential is that I'm a card-carrying member of the human race, that, you know, what I'm doing with my therapist is what all my patients do with me. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that shows how much we're so much more the same than we are different. Um, that's very, very well said and true. Um, I, I, you know, in terms of going back to the launch, I think that, you know, one of the things as an author that really surprised me was I thought getting on the Today Show, getting on the CBS Morning Show sold books, not understanding, oh, there's hundreds of people on those shows all week. And the sort of marketing rule of seven is somebody has to hear about you seven times. It's different if they hear a Terry Gross interview, but these quick hits, um, you know, which have you noticed, have you noticed, like you said, those things don't really move the needle that much. Oh, I think they do. I, I do. Hmm. I, I'm just saying from my book, it's harder to talk about in a shorter segment, but they absolutely move the needle. And so, so if you had to give tips for a launch, what would be your sort of top three tips of what an author should do? I think you need to have a really good relationship with your publishing house. Um, because mm. I feel like they are the people, they're your ambassadors. And so it's really important that you find the people in the publishing house who are excited about you and your book. It's, I think it's hard for them to sell something that, you know, they do their jobs well, no matter what they feel about the book. But I think it's much better if someone's really excited, not only about the book, but about you. So I was really lucky because everybody in the house was very, very excited about this book um, once I turned it in. And I think that you need to really partner with them and help them out because they're very busy and they will give you a lot of attention, but they have like what you said about, you know, the Today Show or GMA that, you know, they're doing a lot of things. They're doing a lot of books. Um, anything you can do to help. So I 
reached out to people on my own. I tried mm-hmm. to, you know, help them in any way that I could. And, and it's not stepping on toes. It's about, hey, okay, so you've contacted these people. Who have you heard back from? I will reach out to these people. Maybe we can double team on these people. And we really worked in partnership to try to get as many people aware of this book as possible. That's interesting because, you know, I I would say when I was with Harper, I was not somebody that they, you know, what I didn't understand, and I think a lot of people don't understand, is, is just because, you know, I would say publishers sort of pick one or two books every season to focus on. And if you are not one of those books, uh, it can be very hard. Um, I agree. And I also think that even if you are, because I was their lead title, Mm -hmm. Um, so I was in that sort of lucky position. Um, I still needed to partner with them. I, there was a lot of work that I needed to do on my own, not because they weren't good because they were great, but because, um, you know, if you're a publicist in a publishing house and you're sending out all these emails, people aren't opening your emails so much, um, Mm -hmm. because they're getting hundreds of emails every day from publicists from all the houses about tons of books. And they're like, Oh, it's another pitch. Oh, it's another pitch. That's not going to be the first email they open. But if I write a very personal email to somebody, they might open that and say, okay, yeah, send us the book. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. So you, you never hired an outside publicist. I got rejected. I tried to. What? They rejected me. I know. They rejected me. This is so funny. Um, so I thought nobody's going to read this book. Everybody talks about outside publicists. I should hire an outside publicist. I should just bite the bullet and do it, even though it's ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I contacted the one that I thought would be, you know, that people really like that, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to, and, and I really like the books that this person, you know, would work on, would work on. And, um, that person rejected me. They said, they said, send me the proposal. I did. And they were like, "Mm, not, not for me. Um, but I mean, you know, in, in nicer words because they are publicists. Um, but, but, you know, maybe try this other person. I tried this other person, that person rejected me. They said, try this other person, that person rejected me. Um, and then I did get to somebody who, um, who was really enthusiastic about, the book. And, um, I talked to a couple of of people who were, and then I just sort of ultimately, I was already at that point. It was so late in the process where I thought my publicist in the publishing house is already working on this. And everyone says she's really good and it's really expensive to hire an outside publicist. So I'm going to just, you know, for better or worse, um, not, not go that route. Hmm, That's fascinating. But did you say you gave them the proposal? So it was, you didn't have a manuscript to give the publicist? Um, let's see. At that point, I think I either had the proposal or I had the first few chapters of the book. I can't remember what I sent them. I, some of them didn't even request. I think some of them, maybe they just said, like, what is it about? And I wrote a paragraph and they were like, uh. <laughs> showed them. And, okay, I cut you off from the, th- from the three tips. So have a great relationship with your publisher. Help them. What else? Um, I think be, be resilient. Um, Mm. I can't even tell you how many people just were not interested in covering this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you just have to focus on the ones who are, um, I also was very maniacal about getting fresh air. And I say like, I was a mad woman. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I don't remember a month before or so, um, launch and we had no national publicity and I was 
really concerned, <laughs> obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of podcasts, but they, you know, they were all podcasts, which is great. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. If you're launching a book, you need something bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, if we get any, like we need, we need fresh air. That's what we need. And I know that sounds crazy. That's like saying like, you know, I want to, I want to be president. Um, but but I was like, I need to have this long form conversation with somebody who's really smart, like Terry Gross, and who's going to get this. And we're going to have a really deep, interesting, nuanced conversation. And, and that is what we need since we have nothing else. <laughs> and, um, and, so, um, and so I wrote a pitch and my publisher was very gracious. And they said, I said, can you just give this pitch? They'd been pitching, of course, and they'd been in contact with Fresh Air, but we just couldn't get like a yes. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get a no, but we didn't get a yes. Um, and so I wrote this pitch and I asked them to pass it along and they did. And we got fresh air. And I don't know if it was because of my pitch. I don't know if it was just because they would have said yes anyway, but I feel like the more you can kind of take into your own hands and again, work in partnership and say, here's something that I think might help. What do you think about this? Um, and, and my focus was literally like, I didn't focus on anything else at that point. It was just like hundred percent all in fresh air. Right. Right. I think that's a great tip in terms of the people that you wrote about. I think lots of people ask me about this. Did you show them pages? Obviously they were composite. No. They were okay. Okay. I mean, that, that's the, the fascinating part is you're listening. You're like, I've listened to it. An audible. you know, Oh my God, how did these people feel about so here's the thing. I didn't show them pages, um, but there was nothing that I wrote in the book that they didn't already know. So in terms of how I felt about them. So I work in the room. I work very much in the here and now, and it's very much about the relationship in the therapy room so that they can translate that to their lives outside. So if I was annoyed by John, for example, he knew it. I mean, you right. can, you see the dialogue in the book. I told him. Now I told right. him in, in, a, in a way that I felt would be helpful to him. Um, but there's nothing that, that they didn't know, but I do think that, you know, obviously I've heard from them since and, and they knew that this was happening. Um, and there's, you know, I think that they feel really honored. Um, and I feel, and I also feel like the, the response that I've gotten was, I knew you cared about me, but now I really know how much you cared about me. Wow. Is your, what has happened to your therapy business? You are probably not taking new clients after this. You know, I was full before the book came out. Right. So what's changed isn't that I have a full practice. What's changed is that, um, that I get like a hundred requests a week, um, for therapy. Yeah. And so, um, I think what I'm going to do, because I really want these people to have a place to go is I think what I'm going to do ultimately not at this minute, but you know, this year sometime is to expand my practice and hire therapists who are colleagues that I work with and trust to work with the overflow. And then we can like do case consultation together and supervision. And um, so they're, they're getting something, the experience that they're looking for. Usually it's from reading the book, whether that's with me or with me in a, uh, as kind of, uh, consultation capacity, um, while other therapists that I trust are doing the kind of work that they're seeing in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, well, 
Lori, this has been wonderful. I, like I said, I'm so grateful for your time. I'm just in awe of what you've created. And anybody who is listening who is not now convinced that they need to go get this book now, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, so thank you so much and congratulations on everything. Oh, well, thank you so much. By the way, if you ever want to talk about launches, other launches, we're launching the TV show and my podcast. Um, oh, so- podcasts. Okay, so the TV show, you're a producer on it. Yes. And did I read Eva Longoria? Is that who it is? So Eva Longoria's company is producing it and the writer, the creators of the show, The Americans, um, are writing Amazing. a pilot. And for anyone who doesn't know, Lori has, you know, serious experience in TV. That was her first career. So, you know, you come at it knowing a lot more than your average author. Right. Although I was, I was a baby executive at NBC in my twenties, you know, it was, it was, I think the TV landscape has changed so much. I mean, back then it was just network television and maybe HBO and Showtime. Um, you know, and now it's just this, you know, completely different landscape with so much exciting stuff happening in television and, and the same with podcasts, which is why I'm doing this podcast because, um, you know, I, I just think there are so many ways to reach people and connect with people um, in ways that feel much more intimate than I think, you know, in the past. Is your podcast going to be called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone? No, actually the podcast. So Katie Kirk's producing it um, with iHeart and I brought on a co-host, Guy Winch, who I just oh, did yeah. A te- yeah, you know him. I did a TED Talk this year. He uh, has done a couple of TED Talks and I am the advice columnist for The Atlantic. I write the Dear Therapist column, but it's kind of a, a twist on advice because I do, um, I kind of give people what a therapist would be thinking, but maybe not saying in that first session mm. um, so that people can then look at their issue a different way. So it's not like, don't talk to your mother-in-law. You know, <laughs> it's, um, it's very much like, let's look at what's going on here. And yeah. Guy writes, he's writing the advice column for TED. And so we are teaming up and it's going to be called Dear Therapists, plural. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just actually taped our first episode. And um, it's basically um, people come on, they, they have a letter that they read. And we then, like in Esther Perel's podcast, we cut out and we talk as therapists about the problem. And then we go back to the person and present when we get more information. And then we go back and we consult with each other about what advice we would give. And then we go back to the person and give them that. And then the part that I love the most is that they come back and tell us how it worked out because you never get to see what happened. Right. And so they're going to come back and say, okay, we tried the things that you said and here's what happened. And sometimes it will be effective and sometimes it won't be. And um, I think that's really informative for people too, like what works and what doesn't and why. Yes. When is that launching? Um, Very soon. We're just just, um, taping the episodes right now. So it may, by the time you guys hear this, it may be available. Um, So again, Lori, thank you, thank you, your goddess. I really, really appreciate this. Oh, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Anna. Anna.